Hey, what's up, you guys? My name is Mikko Kraszowski, and welcome to episode 92 of That Remote Life Podcast, where we hear from location-independent entrepreneurs and professionals so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. Today's episode is another Deep Dive Thursday, during which I get to go down a rabbit hole on a specific topic related to the digital nomad lifestyle. Sometimes uh, I do that by myself, And sometimes I'm joined by a guest, usually someone who has been on the podcast in the past. And today I'm joined by my friend Joe Anderton, who was one of my very first guests on this podcast way back on episode seven. And in that interview, we discussed how he built his social media and branding agency, The Wondering Co., Uh, which works with top CPG or consumer packaged goods brands. And you can check out that interview at thatremotelife.com forward slash episode seven. During today's interview, however, Joe and I got to basically cover uh, all of my favorite hits in terms of topics. We talked about the 2020 presidential election in the U.S. and what the result means for digital nomads how small countries are capitalizing on the remote work trend, how non-remote businesses are reacting to a forced shift to remote work due to COVID, and how that's going to affect the next decade, plus much, much more. Uh, This interview, guys, without a doubt, goes down as one of my favorites in the history of this podcast, so I think you are really going to enjoy it as well. But before we jump into the episode, I would greatly appreciate it if you could take a second and leave a review. I've made the process very easy for you. All you have to do is head over to rate this podcast forward slash rate this forward slash TRL and write re- your review. It's literally that easy. Just go to that URL and you're going to be able to type in your review. If you're enjoying this podcast, Leaving a review is one of the best ways to support us. Reviews are a key statistic that Apple looks at in order to determine how to rank a podcast. So your review will directly help us climb the rank boards and attract new listeners. So thank you in advance for leaving a review if you choose to do so. If you want to check out the full show notes and a list of resources mentioned on this episode, you can do so over at thatremotelife.com forward slash episode 92. That's episode all spelled out, followed by the number 92. All right, you guys, without further ado, let's dive into this deep dive Thursday conversation with Joe Anderton. All right, Joe, welcome back to the show, man. It's been a a while since you've been here. I think you were actually episode number seven. So, you know, a little while ago. How are you doing? Very good. How are you? Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, dude, of course. It's such a pleasure. Um, you and I have talked quite a bit back and forth just to like lay a little bit of like the ground for people knowing uh, what we're going to be talking about here. But you and I have been talking quite a bit back and forth on Instagram recently just about, uh, you know, the future of work and how COVID and a lot of the developments uh, in the world right now are really setting the stage for what we, you and I believe is going to be really the future of work and, and business. Um, and so, you know, we were talking back and forth on Instagram and I was like, dude, like, let's talk about this with, you know, and like record it. Cause I think a lot of people are going to be interested, um, to hear, you know, your opinions and that kind of stuff. But before we kind of dive into that, uh, we were just talking before we hit record and I actually stopped you in the middle of the conversation and said, let's hit record. Cause I think this is interesting. 
you know, currently, so that people know when we're recording this, it is Thursday, November 5th. Um, and the election here in the United States is still raging. Uh, it, it likely seems like it might be raging for a little bit longer, but you had an interesting comment when you said that you have a, you feel like, you know, obviously some entrepreneurs are being vilified a little bit, you know, like Jeff Bezos, for example, and that you feel that that is, uh, kind of being attached to the types of entrepreneurs that you, myself, and a lot of the people listening, um, as well, uh, did I communicate that correctly? Like, do you feel that way? Like, why do you feel that way? Uh, yeah, just curious. I mean, it's a very complex topic, obviously, but I do find there to be a tremendous amount of sentiment, particularly on social media channels, um, where there's a, you know, an anti-capitalist movement, right? There's individuals who don't believe in capitalism in the free market. I think that is being driven by billionaires and multi-billionaire entrepreneurs mm -hmm. such as Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk uh, and Mike, Mark Zuckerberg um, for obvious reasons. And I think people like you and myself who are capitalistic and entrepreneurial still understand why individuals are upset with those individuals. I'm personally mm -hmm. upset with some of those individuals that I mentioned because of their handling of not only COVID, but the way in which they treat workers and the way in which they put profits ahead of um, the well-being of our nation or of the globe. I do think to some degree, though, because the sentiment against anti, you know, the sentiment against capitalism is starting to affect how people view smaller entrepreneurs and solopreneurs and small businesses. Um, you know, you kind of all get thrown into a similar category, even though it couldn't be more different. Uh, so yeah, I do. But I think it's a subject you have to be to, to kind of, talk about carefully because I mean obviously we're not even close to being in the same category as those names we just throw or those businesses we just throw up. We're not even I think very few people part. are. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but I do believe in capitalism. I, I, right. I do believe in a free market. I think that, you know, we have to change our culture as a whole of how we approach business and ideas and, you know, what are the consequences of these big ideas and how do they affect uh, our globe um, from the from the very low level, your everyday citizen to, um, you know, the highest, most richest people on earth. I mean, there needs to be a, a much bigger evaluation of cause and effect. Well, and that's the reason why to me, that's kind of surprising it, or, and I personally, for example, haven't experienced anybody like giving me any like negative, like feelings of, of because I'm an entrepreneur, but I think that it's interesting because like literally what I wanted to talk to you about is that in my opinion, entrepreneurship is something that a lot of people who are currently employees are going to have to learn as a skill mm -hmm. because the trend of work is going in this direction of, you know, freelancing, um, entrepreneur, solopreneurship, like I call it micropreneurship where mm -hmm. like you're an, uh, a solopreneur, but perhaps have like one or two, three freelancers that are helping you deliver your service. Um, and you know, I don't know how familiar you are with N Naval Ravikant, people who are listening, 
probably know that uh, that's somebody who I talk a lot about because I think he really has his pull, like his finger on the pulse of what's going to happen. But he talks about the fact that the internet creates one massive leader in a niche and a long tail of small niche competitors, right? So you have an Amazon that kind of dominates the e-commerce field, and then you have a long tail of small brands that serve a very niche audience, who, which you kind of, I'm sure, understand because you kind of deal with a lot of that. And I think that that's going to be happening in everything. So it won't be just Amazon, but a lot of people are just going to end up becoming their own small brands, selling very niche products or very niche services. And people who are listening to this right now who might be employees as automation and all of these things are on the rise, like you may need to develop some of these entrepreneurial skills. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that you don't need to because there will always be, I believe, work. But if you want to prosper, you will need to learn to continually recycle skills and mm -hmm. stay on top of trends and always be able to learn new things. I think that's the skill of the future because if you think about it, I started my business because social media existed because I mm -hmm. would have never, never been able to build my brand. I would have never been able to get clients or any of that if, if I didn't have access to Facebook and Instagram. Um, to your point with Amazon, there's probably multi-thousands of people that entire business model is built off of being a, a vendor for mm -hmm. Amazon. Um, like and FDA the same be, for sale by Amazon. Exactly, and the same can be said about multiple platforms, which is great, so that's the, the positive side of things. Um, I think from a skill set standpoint, the traditional method of going to university or higher education to learn, for instance, marketing, because there's, there's plenty of fields where higher education still is applicable, but to learn marketing in college, I will say this, this is probably going to be kind of controversial, but is a huge waste of money. Oh, 100%. You are literally burning money because the way in which marketing trends are evolving, the education system cannot keep up with that pace. So you will learn outdated methods. That kind of goes into what we're discussing right now is how you will need to learn to be entrepreneurial in the sense that you will need to continuously maintain your education mm -hmm. to learn the new trends as they emerge in order to be successful. For, for you and I, that may mean continuously li listening to podcasts, reading new materials that are being generated in real time, whether that be YouTube videos, blogs, following individuals online that are very influential, and to be able to absorb that information in real time and act upon it. What something I do as an entrepreneur, as an agency owner is, as new trends emerge in the marketing field, I learn them as quick as I can. I bring people in that understand them and I discuss those with my clients. I say, hey, this is an emerging trend. This is what the brand leaders, the thought leaders in our industry are doing right now. We have to do that. And now nobody's going to be able to tell you or teach you how to do that quick enough in order to implement it. By the time you get to learning that from a, let's say a 10 week course or something like that, you may be late to the party. You may have lost that client. They may have already found another agency that could fill that gap for them. So yes, the most successful individuals are going to be those that can learn to be entrepreneurial because that is the skill you essentially you, you have to wear multiple hats at multiple times and understand multiple skills and constantly be willing to learn. 
And that's something that you can't really teach in higher education. That's something that you learn through habit, through the voices of others. And I know you and I are probably someone in the sense like Tim Ferriss. He's mm-hmm. the first person I read that really said these things to me, you know, and this was probably 10 years ago where it's like, you need to do X, Y, and Z on your own in order to generate multiple revenue streams, in order to continuously innovate and be successful. COVID has just been the catalyst to that now. We're gonna see that exponentially grow in need. And I know these are things that Andrew Yang have been, has been discussing frequently on, on different podcasts that he's been on, where um, the need for entrepreneurial skills is gonna become greater. And um, you know, this, this pandemic is just gonna expedite how quickly we're, you know, individuals are going to have to adapt. Yeah. And I think um, like, this is something that I've talked about with like family members and friends of mine as well is like, it's, it's the entrepreneurial skills, but also the understanding that what you, and I actually like, I think I tweeted this recently is like, it's very likely that if you're listening to this right now, what you'll be doing in 10 years does not exist. Mm -hmm. Like that job, that position, possibly that industry does not exist because for example like when i was in college instagram wasn't a thing i mean it was there it was a thing but it's not what it is now and like you know i also work in marketing like you do uh or at least generate a majority of my like income that way and a lot of the things that we're doing weren't even a thing that I would have even like been taught in school. Right. So like these, these fields that you might be working in, like don't even exist. So you need to realize, uh, and I think this is going to be really difficult for some people that maybe have the mindset of like, I'm going to college or I'm learning this trade right now. And then I'm done learning and I'm just going to cruise from there on out. Like, like, if you have that mindset and you're listening to this, like that is a very scary place to be because it's very likely that that will not be the case. And you're going to have to be constantly rediscovering a career path, rediscovering like new areas to, to work in, you know, mm-hmm. especially as automation and AI just continues, just cut away entire industries, you know, but you mentioned COVID and you mentioned kind of politics a little bit. And that is something that I want to touch on. Like I said, it is currently November 5th. Uh, the election in the U.S. is currently still raging. Um, at the moment, Biden is leading. That could totally change. Who knows what could happen? But, uh, and this is kind of what the internet is filled with at the moment. And I'm sure that it still will be filled with by the time this comes out. But the interesting thing that isn't being talked about is how that, you know, this election could change life for digital nomads. And one of the immediate one um, is our ability to travel. So COVID completely destroyed the American passport standing as one of the best passports to have to get into countries. And the hope has been that at some point the U.S. will get it under control and it will, you know, the American passport status will return to what it once was. The terrifying thing to me a few weeks ago was that it seemed like, and, you know, we're not going to go deep into politics or anything like that, but uh, President Trump essentially came out and it seemed like he kind of waved the white flag. He said that it was over, that COVID wasn't a thing anymore. And I just immediately thought like, oh boy, we're going to be here for a while because if we didn't ramp up kind of COVID handling, that could go south. 
What do you think happens potentially to COVID handling, to the return of the American passport, those sort of things, if, if, if Biden does win? And this could all sound really ridiculous in a week if, you know, that doesn't happen. But I'm just curious. Well, I do think that a Biden win would help the standing of the American passport as it would help the reputation of our country globally. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that, you know, the majority of the world views the handling of COVID from Donald Trump as being, you know, negative. Um, Right. Obviously, our passports have been, you know, I think we had like the top decimated. We've been, yeah, we've been decimated with those. And, and it's, and it kills people like us because, I mean, we had a whole trip planned for the whole year before, mm-hmm. you know, COVID hit. So I do think it would, it would help the passport, but it's a complex issue because, you know, obviously it comes with other things because I think that Joe Biden and the Democratic Party, um, you know, they don't really foresee things going back to normal as far as travel and leisure anytime soon. I mean, I've heard things end of 2022, uh, mm-hmm. 2024, before things return to normal and then our passports are going to a lot of leisure travel, you know, a non-essential travel. Um, but even Europe, as it stands, is getting hit pretty hard again with the wave of COVID as well. So it's really hard to, to predict, you know, whether or not the winner of this election will genuinely put us in a better position as far as travel and our passport. Um, But I do think, you know, the sentiment around a a Biden win globally would be beneficial for that, um, for sure. I also wonder, because this is something that like I've talked uh, about a lot, both publicly and privately, is you need to, I mean, A, if you don't have a passport, which the number of American citizens who do not have a passport is staggeringly scary. Um, so you need to have a passport. Um, you know, if you're an American, you should have an American passport. But also like investing in developing secondary passports. Because, mm-hmm. for example, I hold dual citizenship with the United States and Bulgaria. And at the moment, even though, you know, uh, as an American citizen, I'm not really allowed into the European Union. If I wanted to, I could go back to Europe right now because I hold that citizenship. Right. And I'm curious, that hasn't been as available to a lot of people because like, how are you going to get that second citizenship unless you're balling and Bezos, you know, like we talked about. But yeah. with COVID coming in and forcing a lot of companies to move to remote work, those remote workers seeing the benefit of that and the companies seeing the benefits to their bottom line as well of, hey, we don't have to pay for that office, all of those things. Does that open up the possibility for now all of these regular citizens, regular workers realizing that like, hey, I can go overseas and get a passport in Mexico because I really, really like Mexico. And that gives you, like, do you think that that might be something that could be on the horizon in the next five years? It's almost just like, influx of dual citizenship owners and and global citizens as we might call them i think in the short term yes myself included like i'm already exploring ways that i can get um uh, an italian passport via mm. you know my lineage uh, ancestry I, I've talked, yeah i've talked to a, a lot of individuals that would have never even 
consider getting dual citizenship. And I think they, they want to explore that now. Um, mm -hmm. But really where this goes is like, and as you know, one of the biggest issues with being a digital nomad has always been, I have to leave, I only got three months or I only have 90 days. I mean, I only have 180 days. Right. That type of mentality is, is, is tough. Like I would personally love to live in Europe for a few years, for instance, and really experience Paris and experience Berlin and, you know, in a real genuine way, not just one month or, right. or whatnot. make friends and, and get not go to the Louvre. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I think that what's going to happen by nature is as people have more access to working remote, the, the, the average person is going to be able to become a quote unquote, you know, location independent digital nomad. And as that number rises, there's going to be a much greater demand to, for countries to allow individuals to spend more time in their country because they already have a steady income. They're not taking jobs away from local citizens and they're actually going to bring value, you know, to mm -hmm. that community, whether that be via just contributing to the economy or to, you know, bringing whatever skill set you have to that, that area. So I just think that, you know, obviously that takes time and governments are very, very slow to get things done. And that's why I don't necessarily think we should give all this, you know, I don't know, power and, and access to the government because they take forever to get these things done and they don't put precedence on them. But in the future, I do believe, and I know there's already some like digital nomad, location independent visas and different things happening, that's going to increase. Because like I said, one of the biggest things was when you and I decided to become location independent, we had to do it the entrepreneurial way, meaning we had to essentially quit our job, lose our income and jump off into the, the abyss, like and jumping off a cliff. And then like, hopefully we could build our wings on the way down, maybe like, and make enough income that we could make it work. Um, now with COVID, you know, average person with an average office job is going to be a lot of the opportunity if they're responsible enough to live abroad or just independently travel while maintaining their original job with their original salary that is going to open up doors globally and i think the conversation will be had that you know people should be more global citizens in the sense that they should be able to move around more freely not be so restricted if they bring income and they have stability um, on their side. So I do think that that's going to change massively. But in the, in the short term, yes, people are going to seek out multiple passports for sure in, in, in droves um, in order to, to, to do those things. And I think that's beneficial for the world. I think travel is very beneficial for the mindset of the world. And, uh, you know, it's also interesting like you mentioned there's a lot of these new digital nomad visas coming around and it's going to take some countries a really long time to like come up with solutions for that but the interesting thing is that just like large corporations are being outmaneuvered by small nimble startups we're already seeing that very similar trend working with governments where you have giant governments that are taking a very long time to think about this to then very small governments like a Georgia, like an Estonia, mm -hmm. like a Barbados that is coming up with solutions much quicker because they see like, Hey, there's this niche population here 
that has a lot to offer. Why don't we just very quickly come up with a solution for them? And I think like the Georgia solution, I think they have been perhaps one of the most successful countries in developing this because not only have they made it easy for people to go there, but they've also essentially created infrastructure around the digital nomads that go there. Like they have a free co-working uh, program there uh, in Tbilisi. And I think as this, as our population, if I can say that, as our population, as a community grows, the bigger and bigger countries are going to start coming up with solutions because it's going to matter to them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. And you're 100% right. And it has to start somewhere. And to your point, a smaller government is the right place. And, and also they understand the benefits. You know, it's putting themselves on the map. It's bringing in more traffic. It's bringing in individuals with income to spend mm-hmm. in the local community. Obviously, the bigger governments will follow suit. But like I said, they take a lot of time to make these things happen. Unfortunately, it could be five years before yeah. you know, we start seeing that stuff. Well, and it's been, I'm curious to kind of see um, if you've been seeing the same thing I've been seeing, but the interesting thing is that I feel like over, it seems like over the last year or maybe the last two years, there have been a lot of services that have been popping up to serve. Like for the first time, I feel like there's like, like services around us that are trying to support our life. Like for example, global, you know, like for us Americans, like healthcare, that is actually global. Now there's, I mean, there's not a ton of options, but there's a few, you know, uh, recently I did a whole, um, you know, a two part uh, interview essentially with Redeem Rezek and Dave Williams, who are really trying to bring, you know, expand the midterm rental market so that we don't have to choose between, am I renting this Airbnb for three weeks or am I renting a long-term apartment rental? Uh, do you think that that's, is that something that's just me and I'm kind of seeing this mirage of these things popping up or have you had a similar kind of experience? I'm seeing them in a limited fashion. I wish there was far more of that because those yeah. are pain points that I've dealt with for a long time. And as much as I love like an Airbnb, for instance, you know, there's not a real good solution. The fees are incredible. You got to pay in advance. I mean, not everybody has that luxury. You can't book three or four months out unless you want to put up. I don't know, six tons and tons of money. Yeah. (laughs) So there needs to be better solutions for that. I'm seeing some of that happening. Obviously it's in the early set, you know, the early stages, same with healthcare. I mean, that's a, that's a big one, right? I mean, how people get travel insurance, but it only covers certain things. It's fine print everywhere. You pay for these services. You have healthcare in the States. It doesn't apply to you out of the country. I mean, it's difficult for us. Those that really choose to be location independent to get those things done. As that community grows, the demand grows and then the solutions will grow. So that's what's mm-hmm. promising to me. And I, I've been speaking on this for years. And again, things just take so much time. So I don't expect this to come out and happen immediately, but as long as it's happening at a pace like this, I'm happy with it. So it's not just you, I'm seeing it too. And I'm excited about it, to be honest. The other interesting thing, like I just had uh, somebody send me a link to, and this is like a crazy, like crashing of the worlds uh but a uh friend family friend sent me this link about this bulgarian entrepreneur who got stuck in tanzania during covid and just hasn't been able to leave but he uh luckily got stuck in zanzibar which is this beautiful island off the coast of tanzania and he had to figure out how to run his business off of zanzibar and he was just like hey this is a great spot and bought a shit ton of land 
and is now developing a co-working and co-living like village in Zanzibar because he was like, this is sweet. Like we got Wi-Fi. It's, uh, you know, relatively cheap to live here. So I think like also like these little like, um, like not just services like healthcare and the other big one that we haven't mentioned yet is global Wi-Fi. You know, there's a few different companies like SpaceX that are developing global Wi-Fi, which is going to be a huge solution. Uh, but I also think there's going to be lots of these different little things that you're going to be almost able to like niche experiences that are still, you know, like, hey, come work in Zanzibar for three months. You know, like uh, Bonsco is another one. Hey, come work here and ski for the winter, you know, or whatever. Um, so I think that those are also sort of developing. Um, but I want to ask you because you do work with quite a bit of clients who are not specifically, you know, like location independent businesses, you work with some traditional sort of businesses and what has been, has there been any sort of input from them about them being forced to work remotely? Obviously we can speculate on what people think, but like you have actually talked with clients. What does it seem like those people are thinking uh, with this whole new remote work thing being put on them? Yes. I mean, I have a lot of experience here and I, you know, I've got a decent amount of feedback from clients, you know, both on like the brand manager side and also, um, you know, VPs and, and hiring managers. So I think from a hiring managers standpoint, this has been somewhat of a blessing in disguise because the traditional route for hiring within marketing has been you seek out someone local to your office. So, you know, obviously if your offices are in New York city or LA, you have a large top talent field there. If you have offices somewhere else in the country, your talent field is probably going to be minimized. A lot of brands and businesses that were opposed to hiring remote workers post COVID have change their their thought process they're far more willing to hire people outside of their local area to fill the role should they have you know qualifications to do so that is only going to improve the overall team that they can put together on for their brands whether that be sales or marketing so what i've seen from the hiring managers is a lot of optimism because as they transition their workers to work from home, they're not seeing much of a dip in um, productivity. If anything, they're seeing somewhat of a, you know, something in the middle maybe, but again, like they feel like they can run their team remotely quite effectively. So they're, they're, they're pushing outwards to, to find new talent. That's positive. A negative to it that I've seen on the, this is, and I can personally attest to this, I'm sure you can as well, is that while remote work is beneficial, this is a tough time to transition to working from home. And myself, you know, I work, uh, I don't have children, right? I mean, I don't have certain things that others, challenges that others face. So what I've got a lot from the client side is that, you know, they, it's been a struggle to balance work, life. And it's been a struggle to work from home when you do not have the ability to find outlets outside of your work. You feel like you are living at work now. So although the flexibility of working from home and being remote is there, the trade-off is that you're now, you know, your office is your kitchen or your office is your living room in some instances. 
um, your kids may be there with you. And that's difficult as well. So although you have more time with your family, more time at home, you know, that's a challenge that we all face. I think you and I, you know, as people that have worked for ourselves and worked location independent for a long time, have found ways around that or found ways to cope with that. Like, you know, whether that be, hey, I've spent all week inside, uh, you know, working from the same place that I sleep, but I have this planned. I have this weekend getaway where I'm mm -hmm. gonna do X. I'm gonna work from a coffee shop today. I'm going to, uh, you know, go to this museum after work on this day, or I'm gonna meet with a local and grab some beers uh, and, and talk. I mean, those trade-offs are what life's all about. You, you do X to get X and then you have to have outlets on the side. So I think there's an immediate issue, which is trying to deal with work-life balance and working from home. There's, a, there's an immediate opportunity for brands to expand their teams and to understand that we do not need to have everybody in the office every day of the week in order to be successful. We do not need to micromanage our employees every single second of the day. They can be productive on their own. Um, so there's so much positive mixed with so much negative. I think that that's what happens when forced change comes upon us on such a massive scale. So what we're dealing with is just like, you know, a major change, a major shift in the way we work, the way we hire, the way we think um, happening all at once during a pandemic. So of course that's going to be difficult and exciting for a variety of people. There's, there's different things happening. So I just think it's, um, you know, there's going to have to be a lot of conversations around how this transition sticks uh, mm -hmm. moving forward, post-COVID and things like that. How we learn to work, uh, to have a work-life balance that's, that's more, you know, mentally, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's a challenge that we can face and that we can, we can thrive. Because I think that in the end, we can thrive from this. We can spend more time with our families. We can be more productive. We can have more flexible schedules. We can let life become a, a balance between enjoyment and obligation. And I think that's what our country is missing right now. I think that so many of us are so hyper-focused on work and, and our lives being surrounded by work and accumulating money that we are really neglecting some of the more important things. Um, and that's another reason why I'm somewhat excited about AI and I'm somewhat excited about, you know, giving people the opportunity to focus on, you know, non revenue generating activity, because I think that that's important to our society as a whole, as we think about, you know, where we're going as a country. Uh, so I don't know, there's, there's a lot going on at once, but the overall sentiment, like I had said, is that, it's a positive direction that's, you know, has plenty of challenges ahead that we have to face. So that's really where we're at. Yeah, I think like I've said this before, um, I feel like regular when people go to an office and stuff like that, they're essentially like, like working to like they're living to work. Do you know what I mean? Like everything is surrounded by that. Uh, I have to live here because that's where my work is. I need to drive, you know, two hours every day because like I need to get to work and whatever. And then what little time is left is like, I need to rest because tomorrow I'm going to get crushed at work again. While remote work allows you to almost like work to live, right? Like it's like, you, it's almost like flip, like you get the work done that you need to get done. And then you have literally without any sort of buffer, you can enjoy your life. Uh, you know, the living is sort of, 
the focus of it. But I also, when you were talking, I think you touched on something really important, which is you mentioned like the um, micromanagement. And that's another thing that I've talked about with friends of mine who have had to transition to working remotely. And I asked them like, okay, so you don't work in an office anymore. You're working remotely. How has that changed the way that you're being managed? And almost all of them has said that as other than like, you know, their conversation moving to Slack, there hasn't really been a change in management. And I think that that's actually an issue where a lot of companies are um, taking a shortcut and they're not really changing the way that they're managing their employees because they think that this is going to end soon and that they're going to go back to the office. But if you're going to continue working remotely, you know, from now on, like companies need to adopt different ways of managing their employees and managing projects because the way things are done in an office long-term don't work in the way, you know, when working remotely. Um, have you had any companies or any clients that you've had to kind of like, who've been like asking you about these things or do you have a similar observation? I have a similar observation. I don't have any firsthand experience with this, but essentially what I've seen and read is that I know a lot of the tech companies are looking at hiring a position that's essentially, I don't want to say HR, but it's, a position that looks to monitor the management and relationships of employees working remotely, like a whole entire thing. It's interesting. It's different, right? Like it's completely different. Like you said, I think that some brands will try to go back. Some businesses will try to go back to the office. I really do believe that. I think that's part of the free market. People will make decisions. Those that don't make that decision and decide to let their employees continue working remotely and build in uh, different structures that work to make that successful for the business and for the employees and for, you know, bottom line that those companies will be most successful because they'll be the most appealing to work for. So there's going to be a, a shift there as well, where you're going to have to operate your business differently in order to make sure that these managers are appropriately managing these employees. And then you're going to have to implement different systems and different softwares like Slack that allow your team to work together well online. These are things that these companies never even thought of, you know, Mm -hmm. personally speaking, the way we've always worked at our, with our business is that every single person that works with us or for us, freelancers, et cetera, they have their set of things that they need to get done. They have, they have their deadlines, they have their schedule and obligations. I do not ask them what they do with their day ever. I will never call them on a Monday and say, where are you right now? It's never like that. They, you know, so what we've learned to how to manage people is to find people that are responsible, find people that like to work as a team, treat them equally, allow them to live their lives, give them deadlines and hold them accountable for the work that they need to get done. But micromanaging in the, in in the digital world in the, in the location independent world is a huge mistake. Because what you're going to do is you're going to have people working from home that are constantly feeling anxiety, that are constantly feeling watched, you know, brands, businesses monitoring your online activity when you're logged in for work. And, you know, as you know, when you're working once in a while, you're going to be distracted. You're going to look at your phone. You're going to look at your Facebook, Instagram feed or Twitter feed. You're going to look at the news. I mean, that's just like you have, individuals will have to learn how to multitask and, and to manage their workflow. And managers will have to do the same. And I think that will start 
Um, you'll start to see that happening with the forward-thinking companies first, where they start to hire out managers that look to oversee and streamline the operations of remote work for their employees. That's going to be a fun shift to watch happen. And um, like I said, the talent field will, will follow. They're going to want to work for companies that are ahead of the trends yep. and working to find solutions to remote work rather than working to get their people in the office as fast as they possibly can. Yeah. I had a friend who was telling me that uh, her company was not only taking screenshots of what was on her screen while she was in work hours, but if she didn't move her mouse every minute, like, or something, they would dock her pay. And I was just like, what? Like, that is insane. And so not like, like, that's just like a recipe for disaster. If this, if this like lasts longer and they don't get to go into the office like immediately. Um, so that blew my mind. Uh, but I got to ask, you know, sort of, uh, we're running out of time here a little bit and I know you've, you're plenty busy, but if we, you know, kind of fast forward and look forward five years, um, where do you think we are as a, as a community what do you think has happened? What are the, some of the developments that you expect are going to be there in five years? Like I said, things take time. I think five years is, is a difficult prediction. I don't want to be way off basis, but I'd say... No, that, you got to put it down here in ink, and if it doesn't come true, we're going to come, come after you. <laughs> one of the biggest things I see, I want to touch on this, is definitely... Um, so, number one, there's going to be a big shift in where people live. So that's already happening. Yeah, People are going to move to this, the, the middle of the country. They're going to find cheaper homes. They're going to, you know, make towns that have been on the decline for decades, make huge comebacks. And yep. you're going to see a revitalization of, this, of the middle of the country because people are not going to pay premiums to live in cities when they can work remotely. Two, people are going to start to work remotely and they're going to remain working remotely for the foreseeable future, unless they, their, their presence is needed, which will always be the case. But in masses, the, the individuals are gonna remain working from home. That's 100% not gonna change at all. AI is going to start to take jobs away from people and income away from people. So that's something that's gonna happen as well. UBI will be a thing, people will be paid um, equally, you know, whether it be a thousand dollars a month or a couple thousand dollars a month, um, no matter what to kind of offset that challenge and to allow people to, uh, follow endeavors that are not so much related to making dollars, but making a positive impact on the world. The biggest prediction that I have is, and I, this is more of a, this is what we need to do versus, uh, this is what's going to happen, but we need to shift away from profit. We need to shift away, especially the larger corporations need to shift away from putting profit ahead of everything else. Because what I'm seeing, especially as AI starts to populate more and more and how in tech becomes so relevant, they don't need as many people to make a lot of money. That's not really what matters. So they're able to really cut their costs and optimize their business to make money. For instance, Facebook. Facebook used to be a company that was born to, to allow young, like regular people to share their opinions, to connect, 
It was really came from a great place of intention. It developed into an advertising platform that was completely, completely um, on, made on the basis of how can we generate the most profits by taking as much user data as possible, selling it to companies so that they could reach consumers. And by doing that, they destroyed the, the product itself and have actually endangered people's safety across the, the globe. So making business decisions that are based on profit versus being based on purpose. So that's the shift that our country and the globe is going to need to make when it comes to business, because as much as I love capitalism and the free market, our culture around why we work has been, is, is going in the wrong direction. So that being said, incentivizing individuals to get back into the arts, to be able to pursue painting, sculpting, photography, writing, to get back into culture, to, 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 do, to create brands and businesses that are going to uh, you know, end climate change, that are going to end some of the biggest um, issues that we're facing in this world, like wealth sharing and opportunities not being given equally to people across the globe. So you know, we need to change. Like our culture needs to change. What we value needs to change. How we look at people. Just because someone made a billion dollars doesn't necessarily mean that they're a great person. So mm -hmm. I think that this shift from COVID could be a blessing in disguise in the sense that we're going to realize the wealth disparity is God not a control. That opportunity to, to essentially follow the path of the American dream, to work hard and to grow and to make something of yourself is increasingly going away and that the objective of just plainly making profits and money is not enough to progress our country any further and to progress the globe. So until we make that shift as to why we work, which we, which I think will come out of this shift between working from home, AI taking jobs away, UBI, those three things kind of mixed in will expedite the process of people looking at work, their workload and what they do with their time differently. And they start to apply their time, their work and their talents into fields and, and into directions that are mutually beneficial for all walks of life and not just the few <laughs> that are benefiting right now. So those are some big predictions, but that's really where I see things going. Yeah, I think the case for, I agree with you about UBI because like from my point of view, I also think it's going to be just like um, unavoidable with how much like artificial intelligence is going to take away from like certain jobs that are right now. Like, I mean like truck drivers, like that is, you know, very soon probably going to have a decrease in the number of people working as truck drivers. But um I think what that gives people is the time to figure things out. Cause it's not so easy to just go to college, graduate, go get a job. You know, if you're going to go into an entrepreneurial field where you're going to have to kind of like figure things out, maybe have a period where you're like, Hey, I don't really know what's going on. I got to figure this out. It's not really working. Having UBI will give you that ability to sort of keep yourself afloat while you figure things out. So um, I totally agree with that, but Joe, thank you so much, man, for coming on. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun chatting with you. Um, like I said, you were back uh, last time you were on the show. It was episode seven. So if anybody wants to kind of 
hear more about you and your journey and your business, feel free to go and listen there. But if anybody's interested in following you or anything like that, where can people find out more uh, about your business and where can they find you on social? Yeah, so I'm the co-founder of The Wandering Co. So thewandering.co. We're on Instagram, The Wandering Co. Uh, My personal Instagram is Joe M. Anderton. Um, And then I I also, I just wanted to give a little shout out to a company that I think is really cool. It's Moss Workspace on Instagram. I think it's going to be a tool that, you know, creatives, it's going to revolutionize the way creatives work remotely. Um, so I'd like to give that a little plug. Maybe, you know, everybody listening can give that a, a checkout and maybe even test out our prototype. So that's just a couple of things I wanted to mention. Um, but as always, thank you for having me on. Hopefully you'll have me back again so we can keep this conversation going and hopefully of course, man. Five, five years. <laughs> no, I'm going to. I'm going to put a uh, link in the show notes uh, for anybody who wants to check out Moss. I got to see a little preview and it does look awesome. I totally agree with you. I think for uh, creative teams, it's going to be a big game changer. So um, thanks, man. Yeah, I'd love to have you back on the show. Maybe next time we can have a beer and like do it in person. That'd be dope. But uh, that would have to be after COVID. But thanks so much, brother. Uh, I really appreciate you. All right. Thanks so much, man.